Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hey, Dave. Okay. Yeah, I woke up to a power outage, so um, we've been working on correcting things, but I think we're all set to go. And I'm good to go, too. I'm ready to start right in because I read your articles. People sent them to me, so I'll just kind of throw you the lead and let you run with it, okay? Which ones? No. <laughs> oh, gosh, if I said the, the the ones you wrote with regard to societal breakdown, control of everything, um, the real technocracy kill shot is what I called it. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay, so here we go. We're going three, two... One. Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. Thank you so much for joining us. And we are brought to you by a few people. We're going to get this out of the way real quick, but you do need to pay attention. If you want to diversify and you're one of the 60% of Americans that have a nest egg to protect, uh, you really need to talk to the people at Noble Gold. They will diversify you. It's just not gold that they do. I went from client to customer, and after you talk to them, you'll find out why. There's no pressure whatsoever. They just give you options. And uh, I've been a customer of theirs now for four years. Uh, they're the best people to deal with, best customer service. And I feel like I'm going to have a softer landing than most people because they've helped prepare me. Give them a uh, Well, let's not give them a call. Let's have them send you information. Goldbeforelate.com. That's goldbeforelate.com. And also, too, we still have the storable food available. How much longer with diesel and what's happening with that? and what's happening with the supply chain and the food processing plants that have burned down and just on and on and on it goes. Uh, I think your shelf life for getting supplies is limited. And uh, I'm not trying to, to make a sale here, folks. I'm just stating facts. And if you're still deficient in storable food, I'd recommend that you get started on this right now. You know the deal, 25-year shelf life, and you know the rest. You've heard me say it many times. Uh, if you want to know more and you want to take advantage of the sale, which I can't believe they're having, but they are, uh, you can go to preparewithdave.com. That's preparewithdave.com. And if you're concerned about the grid, and I've become increasingly concerned about the grid, you'll be scavenging for your own water. You need water filtration. We recommend you have a unit for each person in your family for volume reasons. And uh, there, too, is a great explanation. Uh, with limited supplies left, and that's not a sales pitch, folks. They've run out once. They found some in the supply chain. I'm the lone remaining vendor, and I'm telling you, it's limited. And you got to act now if you want the Alexa Pure Pro water filter. And uh, all the details are there. They give you the research. They have kept prices the same. In fact, they, too, have a sale. Go to waterwithdave.com. That's waterwithdave.com. That's my public service announcement, folks, because I'm telling you, if you're not prepped, 
you're going to depend on a government that left 9,000 people behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. So make your choice. I hope you make a wise one. Welcome to the show. Our guest today is Patrick Wood, and we're going to be talking technocracy. Technocracy is what underlies what's happening to us. We have sock puppets in Washington doing what they're told by international forces that are the chief technocrats. Pat, did I welcome to the show, and did I describe that accurately? I think you probably did. And uh, let me just add something on gold. I uh, have been following gold, as you know, for, oh gosh, decades and decades. And uh, I want to just warn people not to get discouraged if gold does not go through the roof in this current economic environment. It, but having said that, gold and silver both are the only assets that will not ever go to zero. <laughs> not ever. I hear They're you. Tangible, you can hang on to them, you can hold them. People understand what they are, and regardless of what kind of uh, you know suppression, price suppression, or manipulation we ever see in these metals, they will never go to zero. Lots of other things will, but not gold and silver. Thank you. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. And uh, it's not just gold that uh, Noble Gold does, though. Uh, they yep. do a whole range of diversification, uh, and and it's all designed to. Do you want one chance to be right with your bank, or do you want four or five chances to be correct with them? And that's, exactly. I chose the four or five chances. Yep. Got it. But uh, you, you've written some articles of recent that our, com- our, our shared audience, people that are familiar with both of us, sent to me. And they said, Dave, are you aware of this? And I said, no, it's the first time I've read it. Thank you for sending. Uh, but, but you're really tying the loose dots together very well. Uh, and you're doing it through the lens of technocracy. And, and we're all talking about the supply chain and the shortages that are artificially contrived and all the nonsense that we're going through. But I think really the baseline explanation belongs in the explanation that belongs. Well, really, technocracy is really where it's at. And that's why I wanted to have you on to talk about this. So yeah. how you see what's going on from the lens that you have really created. You're the father of the analysis of modern technocracy. Yeah, it does appear that way, too. Uh, people are finally starting to get the picture, though, that uh, that this is different. It really is different this time. It's not directly comparable to communism, fascism, socialism, or any otherism. Uh, this is a kind of a new phenomenon. And the reason it's new is because it really is new. It's, even though it started in the 1930s, the whole idea back then of these crazy technocrats that were at Columbia University was to, basically to remove all of the government layer in society and just direct things uh, from the top down. Uh, in other words, decide what resources would be used and what people would consume. And they believed that their system, their science, quote-unquote, quote was so good that what's to discuss? You know, what what do you need political systems for to, you know, we the people sort of thing? You know, you don't need all that stuff. Just get rid of it. A bunch of buffoons anyway. Uh, we're we're the PhDs. We're the smart ones. Uh, we'll just tell you what to do, and you do it, and then everything will be good. That's just how Klaus Schwab can say by 2030, you'll own nothing and be happy. A preposterous statement. And why anybody would even accept it, I don't know, but he's dead serious. <laughs> which just shows you how big of an ego these people have. Yes. It's incredible. 
Yeah, they hold us in such uh, contempt. It's unbelievable. Um, you know, back in the uh, very early days when I first discovered your work through Trilaterals over Washington, and I first read it in 1979, 1980, uh, I thought the arrogance of the Rockefeller family was really on full display in your book that you oh, yes. wrote with Anthony Sutton, but it's nothing compared to what we see now. Um, what gives these demagogues the right to rule over us, and how do they gain control of our politicians where they're no more than sock puppets for their goals? Well, actually, there, there's nothing that gives them high ground to claim ownership of the world. Uh, but the thing that's been creeping up on us for a long time is this whole business of scientism. And scientism is a religious proposition that worships science instead of God. It replaces God and puts science in that seat of being, you know, omniscient or whatever. And these, these technocrats around the world are elevating science up to a godhood. That's how they can say the science is settled or the science is immutable or the science can't be changed, that sort of thing. You look at people like uh, like Anthony Fauci, for instance. He's he's a classic example of this. Um, he says, "You know, well, you you can attack me, but you're not attacking me really. You're attacking science." Yes, that's his god. Um, so, all around the world, even though they vehemently deny that they're uh, you know following scientism, they are because by definition. But by the way, there were tons of books written in the last century. Uh, on scientism, like C.S. Lewis, for instance, wrote extensively about it. So did F.A. Hayek, for, for Pete's sake. But nobody goes and reads those books to know what they were talking about. But the, it's all been documented. It's in the literature. Scientism is, is an evil, twisted, religious proposition. And that's what is driving these people today. That's why we have transhumanism today coming to the forefront. And that's why we have technocracy coming to the forefront as well. They're both bound by this concept that, that their science, not just science in general, but their science, which is, I believe, just pseudoscience, most of it, is so good that we don't need anything else. So they reject the Bible, they reject morality, they reject ethics, and all, anything else that would constrain them, um, you know, or, or expand their view outside of just their narrow view of their scientific endeavors. Um, you know, they throw everything else out. All other systems of thought are out. That's why they're so rigid and inflexible. Um, and that's why people like Al Gore can say the science is settled. That's also why you can say deniers deserve to be punished. <laughs> it's just, you know, you look at this whole thing and you say, well, of course that's what it is now. We can see it more clearly every day. Do you really believe that uh, they're going to punish the deniers any more than they already do with cancel culture? Well, they already are, and on, even on a global basis. Now, there's individual, let me put it this way, there's individual cancelship where somebody gets thrown off of Facebook or Twitter. And that's not good, of course, uh, in itself. But the, then there's the, the societal punishment. Uh, like, for instance, the, the energy market globally is upside down. This is, a, this is a technocrat initiative that's been around for 80 years to destroy the traditional energy structure of the world to get control over all economic activity. Economic activity requires energy to make it work. If you wanted to burn down the economic system, which Klaus Schwab does, with the, that's what the Great Reset is all about, that's what Build Back Better is all about, if you wanted to destroy the economic system, what better way than simply to remove energy from the economic system? It can't run. People can't get to work. Factories don't run. Uh, air conditioners don't work, whatever, and the, the economic system just shuts down. That's what's happening right now. 
So there's a societal punishment going on. This is not deserved by the people. This is not ordered by the people. It's intentional. It's engineered. It's not just, oh, gee, uh, we made a mistake and you know, somehow everybody ran out of energy at the same time. No, that's not, not the way it is. This war on energy, and you'll remember this from the early 70s, I know, Dave. The energy crisis started back then. They tried to pull the same garbage back in 73-plus. Yes. Um, to I remember the gas lines. All of a sudden, Jimmy Carter said, oh, there's this horrible energy crisis and you know, we're being shut off from Saudi Arabia and all these, you know, the other Mideast countries and whatever. And all of a sudden there's lines around it. Well, it was so bad and so obvious. Tony Sutton wrote a book on it. It's called the, about the energy crisis. And it was. It was completely contrived. And they're doing the same thing today. And in the process, they're destroying the economic system. What do you, uh, what's behind destroying the system? Is it really to tear it down so they can build it back the way they want it? Yes, exactly. Okay. Old-style globalization is dead. The old-style, quote-unquote, New World Order is dead. The new New World Order is rising as soon as, you know, out of the ashes, it, it will rise. You know, we said back in the 70s that the goal of the Trilateral Commission, which is the fountainhead of modern globalization today and all this technocracy stuff, we said back then that the whole plan was for them to grab resources, that's what Rockefeller was after. He, he was after grabbing the resources. And so when, when Brzezinski came into the picture and said and, and wrote his book, Between Two Ages, America's Role in the Technotronic Era, the age that they were currently in in 1973 was that, you know, that, that globalization era that they were trying to create. But he forecasted, hey, one day there's going to be that technotronic era. It's coming. What's going to be our role in that technotronic era? Everything was engineered after the Trilateral Commission started to grab resources all around the world directly, grab resources directly. Regardless of monetary system, David Rockefeller knew if you own the resources, it doesn't matter what kind of financial system you have on top of it, you're going to control all the people. And and look at look at Billy Gates right now, still buying farmland like crazy. I just put an article up this morning. Farmer Bill continues to gobble up American farmland. Mm-hmm. Whoa, okay. What does he see coming? Food crisis. How long did he see it coming? For several years. <laughs> he started buying up farmland about 10 years ago. Does that tell you something? Yes. It, you know, he said, oh, there's a there's big old food crisis coming. I'm going to take advantage of that. So now he's up to something like, I don't know, maybe 300,000 acres of prime farm farmland in America. Um, he'll, he'll, he'll gladly sell you potatoes now for probably $20 a piece when it really hits the fan, right? Make windfall profits. That's amazing. I, it, it's so overwhelming. Let me ask you this. How do they control uh, people like Cornyn, uh, Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, how are these people? They're totally dedicated to this. How, I, I know Ocasio-Cortez's background. I know she's Bernie Sanders, developed through uh, ex-campaign aides that audition for Congress people. But yeah. aside from her, how are these people manipulated and controlled by these external forces? You know, that, that's a really good question. And I, my guess is in every case there's going to be a little bit of, maybe a little bit of different you know, techniques being used. But I would recollect, I would, I would hearken back to Jeffrey Epstein. Now, that may be a strange thing to bring up right now, but um, Epstein was a member of the Trilateral Commission, 
right? He was one of the core people in this globalist cabal. What was his function? I mean, he, you know, he was a transhumanist. Uh, he believed that there was going to be, uh, you know, great transformation, maybe even, uh, you know, escaping death and all that kind of stuff. And he, he, he put money into those things, different universities. But what was Epstein's real role? We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts to help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. We already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water. With Dave.com, that's waterwithdave.com. Save $80 for a short time. From the Trilateral Commission. They only have like 320 members globally, and most of them are the most important people in the world, even now that are pulling strings to, you know, create this great reset. Well, Epstein was the enforcer. He was the blackmailer. He was the one that was getting all these people compromised where they didn't dare step out of line. And, you know, I'm not going to revisit all the people that flew on the Lolita Express to, you know, his islands into New Mexico and stuff like that. The flight logs are there on the Internet. You can go look and see who, you know, who flew on those airplanes because of the flight logs. But it was clear he was running a a massive blackmail operation. That's just an example. That's not the only thing. I'm just saying that's an example of one way people are controlled. We get the goods on you. You do what we say. And shut up, 
or we'll destroy you. Is that from the old Franklin scandal uh, written by Nick Bryant where he claimed that uh, people would be invited to parties and even if they weren't guilty of nefarious actions, they were videotaped and framed in such a way that it would cast doubt and as it were released to the public, it would ruin their reputations. So they would control them. Is that is that what you're referencing? Well, I expect that could be the case, but you know, in the case in the case of Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein, mm-hmm. he, I mean, those people actually went to his island and they participated in uh, orgies with underaged girls. Um, the, of course, the little black book has never been released, and now poor old, uh, you know, his right hand person. Uh, Lane is now under death watch. <laughs> she say, say she has a hit too that uh, somebody was being paid to hang her to death or something. I, who knows? But no, none of the none of the uh, the people that um, have been prosecuted, of course, that were identified with the flights and with you know activity uh, in in uh, in his circle. Um, uh, and you know, there's the the people, the names of people that were associated have all vehemently denied they had anything to do with it, of course. You know, oh, no, I, that's not true. Said, even even Prince Edward said, you know, oh, no, no, that can't possibly be true. But it was. And Epstein, you know, there's a, a mountain of evidence uh, in proving that Epstein co-opted and blackmailed people with his, with his activities. So I don't know that they need to fabricate, necessarily fabricate, evidence like that quote-unquote evidence to trap people uh not when they're actually willing to go do despicable things and then get blackmailed for it i mean i think that happens all the time um it certainly doesn't surprise me (laughs) who's not on the list i mean is that the better question (laughs) i know who's not on any list I just, yeah. <laughs> it just seems like it's so ubiquitous that uh, yes. you would have a harder, easier time finding someone who is on the list as opposed to not on the list. And I just, yes. it's amazing to me. I do know that Nick Bryant's work had some validity to it, but I think it is preempted in scale by um, by Epstein's Island. I totally agree. Um, what would happen to people that would refuse? No, I'm not going to your island. Do we have well, any, do we have any yeah, anecdotes those, about that? Yeah, sure. Those outliers, uh, people who have a higher moral standard, standard and just refuse to be compromised, those people, many of those people, have been uh, compromised in other ways. Either they have been, um, you know, voted out of their positions with uh, dirty tricks, uh, you know, money given to their uh, their opponents and stuff to overwhelm them in elections. And a lot of people just kind of went out of the political process because they couldn't survive, and they, you know, the political process protects its own, and uh, they 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 spit out the outliers. This is one reason I think that that the establishment continues to hate Donald Trump with such a passion. Now, I, I aside from all the arguments on him, I'm not saying I like him or don't like him. That's not the point. The point is why is why would the left today still be interested in crucifying Donald Trump? He's nothing to anybody, really, but they won't let it go. And they won't let, you know, like they won't let the, the January 6th thing go either. Uh, you know, what's up with this? Why, why are these vendettas raging on? Well, 
they serve a lot of purposes to get rid of people that they don't like. And if somebody doesn't toe the line the, their way, um, they, they have a, a machine rolling that could chew them up and spit them out. How are the ways that they do it besides uh, Epstein's Island? Well, how about how about take the case of uh, of Marjorie uh, Green, Congresswoman? Okay. What happened the other day? Uh, some people came into the Congressional Hall, uh, tried to do vandalism to her door, intimidation, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a TV crew that came in. They got arrested. Oh, and then the, then the fireworks began because it wasn't interesting. They said, oh, it's not an insurrection like January 6th. Oh, no, no, no. Illegal entry <laughs> into the Congress. How is it not? <laughs> I, know. I know. Insurrection 2.0. You know, I know. It, but, you know, so they got, all those people got arrested, and then they're immediately let loose on their own recognizance, and, you know, it's completely different behavior. Well, you know, that tells, that, that, that is an attempt to intimidate, directly intimidate somebody like Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Greene. And I'm not saying I like her or not. That's not the point. But she's on, she, they don't like her. That's the thing. So they have the right, they figure, to intimidate her and say, look, you, you know, we're done with you. You know, we're going to be violent towards you, so you better watch your back. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't, to me, I, I just, um, I'm not sure what they're gaining by doing this. I mean, they must view her as one heck of a threat. How is she a threat to them overall? Well, <clears throat> I, I think it goes beyond just her. Uh, she is she is an example of other people that they don't like to. And, and I, I honestly, I don't think it's just her alone. She is certainly on the right wing of the right wing. She's been associated, I think, at least philosophically, with some of the QAnon stuff for some time. They don't like her, but she is representative of anybody else that leans to the conservative side. You know, to the really, like the really kind of right wing of the conservative side and won't bend. And she won't bend. Um, so when they attack her, they're also attacking anybody else that might be aligned with her in any way. And that's probably a lot of people, right? I mean, in Congress as well as out just everywhere in America. So they're saying we could, if we can do this to her, we can do this to you. That's no right. Beyond our reach. That's exactly right. It's like mm-hmm. you know, it's like saying we know where you live. <laughs> you remember, you remember the school board uh, issue where that lady up in in Colorado got swatted uh, by the FBI because yes. she was complaining to school boards up there that uh, what they're doing was wrong and blah blah blah. And and the Department of Justice got that letter from uh, from some NGO saying you know these really are domestic terrorists. They need to be uh, treated as such. And then the FBI shows up at her door. Well, was it just about that lady alone, or was it a message being sent all across America that, look, you go to the school board meetings and you get a little bit heated under the collar or whatever, uh, you could be swatted too. It, it, was a, it was a threat to the whole community, not just to one lady. And they knew that. That's why they made such a big deal out of it, to swat her in the middle of the night, to you know, break down her door. I mean, gosh, can't you just ring the doorbell for Pete's sake? It's like, no, no, no. We got to break down the door. And 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 you remember when some some people in the FBI showed up? But some people swats after uh, after the last election, they showed up with a TV crew. Gee, how convenient. That was um, Roger Stone. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. They showed up with a TV crew. <clears throat> yeah. And they drug him out in the street. And 
<laughs> pajamas almost, you know, his underwear. It's like you can't make this stuff up. This is not just about one person when this happens. This sends a message to the whole country. You better toe the line or you're next. Well, yeah, and um, the most egregious one, I think, is uh, the Peter Navarro. Well, there's actually two of them. Yeah. Peter Navarro arrested the D.C. airport. He was an advisor to the president as such. He has executive privilege. He can't yeah. violate. He can't testify before the J6 commission because yeah. Trump owns the privilege. Yes, so and they know that. So he sued them. He sued them to say, you cannot do this to me because I can't give up Trump's privilege. Yes. And so they arrest him, put a 72-year-old man in leg irons like he's going to fight him or run away. Right. And then they put him in, in, in jail, and they don't feed him or water him for uh, 24 hours. They don't let him call his lawyer. They didn't notify a lawyer, which you're supposed to do his lawyer, before mm-hmm. you arrest someone that's been a high government official. Mm-hmm. And they didn't advise him of his rights. Yep. That, it, it, Pat, it's amazing. And then, and then the case of... Uh, Oh, gosh, Freda's first name, but last name, Clark, Assistant Attorney General under Trump. Mm-hmm. Yes. All he did was file an evidentiary preservation demand to the governor of Virginia regarding voter fraud. And whenever you're going to investigate something, that's standard practice. If you sued your neighbor, you your lawyer would do an ev- evidence preservation notice to who you were suing. Yes. And based on that, they come to his house and steal all his electronics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is this is this is Gestapo tactics. Well, it is, and this isn't. This is a good example of the government being weaponized against the people of the country, and it has been weaponized. We we've talked about this before. Virtually every agency right now in the administration has been weaponized against the people for their political agenda. This is another way, by the way, that that people are controlled, um, and and it's interesting that there are times when. Uh, when the loony left eat their own, it's not it's not merely mm-hmm. always conservatives that get chewed up, but they're at times they're willing to eat their own as well, and they will. But the the bottom line is always look, you do what we say or you're toast. You know we will cancel you, and if we don't cancel you just to lose an election or whatever, uh, well, I'm, you know how many what, what's the what's the latest body count on people that know the Clintons? Uh, I don't know, but it was it's way up there. It's like I don't know anybody that's ever been murdered. How come the Clintons know all these people that have been murdered and died and stuff over the years? Uh it's a bad place to be. I wouldn't want to be their friend. Um under any circumstance. That's that's just you know, short trip was, maybe uh, to the morgue. I was uh, doing a um, joint presentation with Sheriff Mack mm-hmm. last year up in Kingman and uh he got up and he said um I'm one of the few people that took on the Clintons and lived to tell about it. Ha, 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 everyone laughs. And this lady who was helping to sponsor, she looks at me and she goes, you don't think that's funny, do you? And I said, it's not funny because it's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, that's right. Well, anyway, we we digressed a little bit from, from technocracy. Yeah, let's go back you know, to What's going on on the global stage. And, yeah. Uh, the things that are happening right now are part of the part of the takedown. Um and I think that um, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, in a recent interview, said it exactly correctly. She said, this is a takedown, not a turndown. Um, and the takedown of the global economic system is preparing the way for the new world order that they're planning. That that's the Great Reset. That's the, the, the post-capitalism era when resource management will be the big thing. And that means you are a resource, so you're going to be managed, too. Um, 
So the takedown right now to get rid of the old-style globalization and the old-style economic system, that's capitalism, free market economics, and anything, any kind of price-based economics, that is all going out the door, and the new system will be built on top of it, out of the ashes. That's exactly what's going on today. So we see all the plates spinning. All the important plates are spinning at the same time. You've got energy, which is huge globally right now. It's huge. You've got the financial chaos is huge with uh, central bank digital currencies coming like a freight train. You've got food crisis. All of a sudden, boom, it's just in your face. You've got the supply chain, which is critical to the economic system, breaking down all over the world. Um, even here in America on a micro basis, you say, well, the supply chain, that's ships and stuff, isn't it? Like airplanes between China and here. Yeah, but in America right now, the, our entire rail system is on a thread, hanging by a thread right now. For, because, of, because of diesel? Because of diesel and just because of manipulation. Um, because, you know, the whole rail system, the people who own the rail system are part of that global cabal that's trying to, you know, that's setting up the, uh, the you know the economic system to fail. So now you know, for instance, they've they've cut back on arbitrarily on fertilizer shipments to farmers and stuff like that. Well, is there no fertilizer to ship? Well, actually there is, but uh, they've decided. Well, we just don't have the capacity. We just can't ship all the fertilizer we want to ship to you guys. So sorry, you're just flat out of luck. And in the meantime, you know they're uh, at risk of uh, of going bankrupt again. It's like, well, okay, uh, that. You know, whatever their excuse is, uh, it, we're getting disrupted right here where we live as well, locally. So p- supply chains everywhere are breaking down. And what, role, what role is technocracy playing in this? Well, where they're going with this, look, they, they need to get control over all the economic resources of the world. And then they're going to, then they have to be able to set up a supply chain. The Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for MyPillow. For example, they've got half off MyPillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. That will, that will be able to deliver those economic resources in a way that they control. They control, not the people. Not, price, not a price-based uh, uh, economic system. You remember Adam Smith. Uh, I know, I'm sure you've read that book at some point yes. in time. But the concept of the so-called invisible hand in uh, economic affairs, you know, that the, the economies work together because there's an invisible hand that seems to just kind of keep things together, and it balances the price base, you know, supply and demand, all that kind of stuff. Well, that invisible hand is anathema to technocrats. They don't believe in the invisible hand. They want to have their hand controlling everything. So this is really kind of an existential, very basic discussion going on with these yahoos. They, they want to control everything. So out with the invisible hand, out with price-based economics and supply and demand, all that kind of stuff, they want to control it directly through their scientific you know, method, as they say. You know, one, I'll tell you one way to look at it. This, this may be a little bit oblique, but you remember back in World War II, 
uh, when technocracy was at Columbia University. Uh, the other half of Hamilton Hall basement was occupied by IBM, the early iteration of IBM. And they were making the first Hollerith computer there. That Hollerith computer, tabulator, went to, Rus- went to uh, uh, Germany to do statistical analysis and, you know, things like running train schedules and stuff like that <laughs> all, over, all over the place, including to the gas chambers. Uh, but IBM was instrumental in backing up what what Hitler did in in Germany. Yes, that computing with a, with a, power with the punch cards, right? Yes, with punch cards. That mm-hmm. computing power enabled him to do all kinds of things to control people. You see, it wasn't that people could make their own voluntary decisions on who would get on the train. No, IBM said that this is who's going to be on the train, and then they made sure that was the people on the train, right? It's like total control. It, it, the invisible hand is anathema to any technocrat because they claim that they need to be in control. They need to tell people what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to, what to buy, what to consume, etc. Not just the people themselves. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Okay. I'm... Uh... I'm just kind of overwhelmed by this, but let's talk about the takedown of the system. Uh, you got the supply chain issues. Uh, you've got the, you know, fertilizer. Um, in fact, let me ask you this question before I go down that road. Um, I'm chasing the story right now that we're going to run out of diesel because of the lack of additives that are petroleum based into the diesel and we have eight weeks supply left and I have not convinced myself that this is true. Do you know anything about this? I do not. No more than you. I'm I'm scratching my head wondering if it's true as well. Okay. Um I've heard the claim. I have not seen the evidence, so I really don't know. Uh but it would be very concerning if that were the case and, and even if it weren't the case, six dollar a gallon diesel right now is just a killer. <laughs> That's enough to, you know, kill. And there's, and it's not going down. And it doesn't appear it's going to go down. And, and then you have to ask the question, well, why is the price of diesel and gas where it is right now? Well, if you look at, for instance, how many refineries there are left in America, there's been a blockage of creating, of, of creating new refineries in America. So the, the number has been dropping, dropping, dropping over the last 20 years. To the point now where we barely have enough capacity, uh, manufacturing capacity, to create the diesel and the gas that goes on the road as it is. Um, so, you know, this is not, well, okay, you say, well, this is not, uh, th- this is a structural thing. It isn't just temporary supply and demand issue. It's a structural thing. It was the, ma- it was the intentional destruction of capacity so that People would be, you know, would run out and prices would go up and there would be a sea change on how people, you know, consumed and transported goods. So now they're trying to get everybody to buy electric vehicles. Well, that's really convenient. Uh, what did, what did that crowd have to do with the destruction of fossil fuel industry? Well, just about everything in a way. Um, you know, they, they'll sell more electronic vehicle or, you know, EV cars and trucks. And, you know, the old, uh, nasty old engines, gas engines, are just they say is going to go by the wayside. Cadillac, I think, uh, just came out with a prediction that by, I think they said 2035, that they would be completely out of gasoline engines. They'll be completely transitioned over to EVs. 
I think it'll be sooner than that. But here, here's the problem. Um, I'm sure you're aware of the EV prices. The average American, two-thirds of the Americans today are living paycheck to paycheck. Yes. Who's going to be able to afford to buy this? Well, that's exactly right. Nobody. Um, well, somebody will. I mean, people are buying them right now that have money, apparently. Some, but some not many. That's right. So, you know, what, is, what it means is there's going to be a lot of people riding bicycles one day. It's going to look a little bit like China. <laughs> you know, I say bicycles, mopeds, and motor scooters. It's going to make a big comeback in America. Hence the exodus to the inner city for stack and pack, right? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. See, I have been paying attention, Pat. Um, (laughs) But here's here's what here's here's where I was going with the original question. The technocrats want to control the grid. They want to profit from the grid, but they want to keep you in check with the grid. That's one of the objectives. But if they destroy the grid, they destroy the economy, don't they cut into their own profitability? No. The technocrats are not driven by profitability. They're driven by control over resources. And profitability, you see, that's a concept of of our price-based economic system. Money. We have money. We say, well, what's profit? Well, profit is excess money. They're not driven by money. They're driven by resource control. There's a difference here. So as they accumulate, accumulate resources, like, like Bill Gates buying up farmland, um, it doesn't matter what economic systems or what monetary system sits on top of those resources. They will dangle the people like puppets on a string. So it's about control. It's not just about money. Technocrats, even though they may accumulate a lot of money, like Elon Musk is supposedly the richest man in the world, um, they may accumulate money, but that is not primarily what drives a technocrat. A technocrat is driven by control, wants to control. I just, to me, I don't know how they get outside the, the profitability, though. I mean, I know it, the, what you're saying explains why major corporations are self-sabotaging because woke goes broke, like Netflix, yeah. Disney, and so forth. Yeah. Uh, this is in line with what you're talking about, isn't it? It seems to be, because uh, they don't they don't seem to care about that. They're not they're, today. They're not as driven by profit as they were, say, 20 years ago. Or they wouldn't be doing these things. They'd be much more sensitive to keeping profitability. But at some point, the viability of a business is maintained by profitability. <clears throat> well, it is. But, you know, I, and I'll, I'll just say it. A lot of these companies are going to go out of business. They will. A lot of companies are going to go out of business, I think, in this this, this next uh, economic cycle. This is cycle. some ultimate Kool-Aid drinking if they're willing to commit business suicide. <laughs> yes, it really is. And and the, the, companies, the companies that will go out of business... Um, will turn over their economic activity to technocrats who simply will run them for their own scientific algorithms, whatever, to control economic distribution. I I realize it's hard to to get mind around it, but if you go back to the 1930s and during the Great Depression when they thought that that capitalism was dead, these technocrats that designed technocracies and economic systems said they wanted to have direct control over over all economic resources and distribution of those products for the sake of the people. In other words, they would decide what the people needed, kind of like the cattle in the feedlot. You know, you decide, what well, what does it take to keep the cattle alive? 
well, you got to have a certain amount of rations, you got to have a certain amount of molasses and this, that, and the other, and oats, and I don't know, whatever. And you feed the cattle that ration, and they, you know, they moo and they poo and they're happy. And this was the this was the mentality of technocrats back then that they would simply control the entire economic system, directly controlling people, with no political system whatsoever. They wanted to get. They called on Roosevelt, by the way, to simply when he got seated as president to declare himself dictator, and simply implement technocracy right on right on the spot. Uh, fortunately. Uh, he he said no. I'm not going to do that. But I have the book right here on my desk right now. It's called Roosevelt and Technocracy, written by a guy named what's this guy's name? The guy's name is Henry A. Porter. It's a hardback book, and and it says right in it that he that Roosevelt should declare himself dictator and dismiss Congress and all other all the other political um, you know machinations of our country and just do it directly. Now, if this mentality has not changed, Dave, and I, I contend it has not, this is the same philosophy that's working at the top with these people, these technocrats, mm-hmm. trying to enforce technocracy on the whole planet. The people like Klaus Schwab. I just, uh, okay, let me continue trying to get my mind around this. I'm 90 degrees there. I have 270 degrees left to go. Um, why would anyone willingly sacrifice their business like the NBA, down 50%, and a major reason is wokeness. Why would they be willing to sacrifice their own business for the good of something that they'll never derive a benefit from? That's true. Maybe they're just not part of that uh, that technocrat cabal in the first place. But then they should be saying, to hell with you, I'm going to go for profitability and ignore your wokeness. Yep, and, and maybe they're really part of the mass formation crowd that has been so... Uh, so demonized that they can't think outside the box and they think this is the only way we can act. Uh, maybe. Uh, I think there's going to be a massive number of companies go out of business this time around and some of them are really going to surprise you. Uh, just, you know, I, you, you remember in the past, uh, General Motors, I think, has gone bankrupt at least once I, that I can remember, maybe twice. But uh, if they hit the fan again, if the, if the major car makers hit the fan because they've decided to get rid of all, you know, uh, you know, fossil fuel, you know, gasoline, diesel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, some of them are going to fail. They're flat out going to go out of business. Yeah, and who's going to take over the slack? Well, you know, people at the top will be glad to, to pick up the, the pieces of that. Yeah, but there's got to be a carrot there, not just a, a stick of if you don't comply, this will happen. There's got to be a carrot for compliance, and that's what I'm missing. I don't doubt what you're saying because I see the evidence of it. I see businesses self-destructing. The phrase woke is broke came from that uh, observation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I I just don't get how, put it this way, I don't think either one of us would commit business suicide to go along with something. If you're forced to, you would. And what's the mechanism of control then? Well, you remember here in the Phoenix area during during lockdown, you remember the the health club operator here in town had what twenty twenty oh, gyms around the, Mountain the city. Mountain Fitness, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I know you know the guy. Yeah, um, he was he was forced uh, into shutting down, and he said no. He tried to say no, and they 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 muscled him, they they browbeat him, they sued him. I don't know if the police came over and visited him too, but uh, he was under tremendous duress. Because the political system and uh, you know the technocrat system put the bite on them. Now that that could happen to companies in a number of ways. For instance, ESG. 
that's the um, uh, you know the climate control uh, uh, philosophy put over on investments and stocks and how well your company's being run. Is that the score that you get? Uh, yes, that's the score that you get. Your, you know. That's right. You get mm-hmm. that score, and states also get an ESG score. That comes, and that's coming from the major rating agencies now. So if if a if a rating agency rates a company with a low ESG score, they lose access to funding. They can't get bank loans, uh, or at least favorable bank loans. And the same thing with people. If you get a low ESG score, well, you're you know you're 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 not gonna you're not playing ball. And uh, so, in the case of of, uh, of a larger corporation or state, if a state gets a low ESG score, they can't get funding, and you know lo- like loans and stuff to, to you know support their bonds and whatever. Um, so this is muscle from the top that's forcing them to do stuff that they wouldn't want to do. Um, but you know you could you could ask you could look at people first, just individuals, and say, could, do individuals do stupid things that are counterproductive to their existence? Oh, absolutely, they do. We see that all the time. People wearing two masks while they're driving their car down the street, and it's you know 120 outside. Yeah, there are people that do crazy things. Can companies do crazy things too? I think so because they have they're made up of people. Yes, they can. And once they've drunk the Kool-Aid, they're going to start doing a whole bunch of really stupid, stupid things. Um, did Disney have to go woke? Did they have to? No. But it's run by people who are. So, you know, the people turned the company into a woke company. Um, you know, the people at the top, though, I want to—I have to say, the people at the top, the Klaus Schwab types, who are who are living the the Great Reset, who have orchestrated the Great Reset. These are the same kind of people, Dave, that we saw on the Trilateral Commission. If you you remember the book, how we divided up, uh, we 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 called out the NGOs, we called out the politicians, we called out the uh, the legal firms, the big attorney firms, we called out the media companies aware like like Newsweek and Time and Wall Street Journal, and we divided it up into sections of professions. And it made a lot of sense. We said, oh, well, now I see what they're doing. Well, the same kind of professional division, we see that in the in the uh, World Economic Forum. Same type of uh, people have, and organizations are joining the World Economic Forum. This is just a macrocosm of the Trilateral Commission. They're pulling the strings. They're creating the, the, they're creating the strategies. And then they pass them down through their lower... Minions, you know, through the through governments and through corporations and whatever. Hmm. Man, oh man, oh man, this is uh, like I said. I I, I I guess you could be forced into bankruptcy sooner or later. To me, that's the choices they're giving these businesses. Yeah, that's amazing. Maybe there's a plan to absorb, you know, like through. Uh, capitulation to becoming a subsidiary holding, so at least you'll save something. Mm-hmm. Well, it, that could be. And you know, like take take the banking industry. How many consolidation wa- waves of consolidation have we seen in the last, say, twenty years? Well, there's been at least two. Uh, two thousand eight, nine, ten were was huge. Savings and loans went out of business, and uh, you know, smaller banks got gobbled up by bigger bigger banks, and uh, the bigger banks got really bigger. Uh, but now. Uh, with central bank digital currencies coming on the scene, uh, this is going to change everything altogether because now the, the, our Fed, at least, and I think some others are talking about this too, 
consumers will be able to maintain an account directly with the Fed. In other words, the Fed's going to become a bank where consumers can actually store their central bank digital currencies. Well, okay, so now the central bank could be in a position to compete with the entire banking industry, <laughs> the entire banking industry. But we know the Fed's a private bank. It's not owned by the government. It's owned by private people. So if if the Fed gets entry into making a complete monopoly over the monetary system, would they? do you, do you think they would dare exercise that and actually do it? <laughs> well, of course. They are, in a sense, they're already a monopoly. But if they get the right to to hold consumer deposits directly for consumers, to give them like a credit card or a debit card or a checkbook or whatever, that means all of a sudden that the Treasury is completely out of the loop. That, that In other words, the Treasury will lose complete control of creating money, printing money. And it also means that Congress is completely out of the loop because Congress uh, sent us, in particular constitutionally, is responsible for weights and measures and currency. They will be out of the loop. They will have no power over the Fed if the Fed actually brings in this, you know, ability for consumers to have, to maintain a deposit with the bank directly, with the central, central bank directly. Well, you know, it's, you look at stuff like this and you say, okay, this is headed towards monopoly control. All of it. The whole enchilada over monopoly control. That's what they've always wanted. That's what Bill Gates has always been. He's a monopolist. Rockefeller's a monopolist. The Carnegies were monopolists. Right. J.P. Morgan are monopolists, and the rest of the Rockefeller family today are monopolists still. Klaus Schwab is a monopolist. He says by 2030, you'll own nothing and be happy. Well, okay, so if we go to a service economy where everything is rented, so who owns the stuff? Somebody has to own it. Because it exists in time and space. Who owns that stuff? Well, they do. They own all the stuff, and they'll be happy to rent it to you. So just, this is a monopoly. It, it's a monopoly takeover of the entire planet run by technocrats. And the people are really nothing more than, than cattle in a feedlot to them. Their resources okay. to be managed. Well, I have I have a couple of questions that that relate to what you're talking about here. One is Janet Yellen's concept of unrealized income, and it's been assisted by BlackRock and Vanguard to buy up homes at twenty to fifty percent over market. Yeah. So what they want to do is use a capital gains tax on appreciated income that you really receive no value from. You have to pay yeah. higher property tax, but if you can't pay it, you lose your home. Do you think yeah. that'll become a reality? I I see some pressure on that already. I really do. And and even just the talk of that scares a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It ought to. Me too. And so that would spook a lot of people into selling their homes now, you know, before they get into a position where they got to pay a tax on it. You just but, nailed it because this is part of you will own nothing and love it. It you is. eliminate home ownership for most and, people except for and the And you know here in Phoenix, I know you know the market here in Phoenix, People moving to town right now cannot find a place to buy and hardly even a place to stay. Even though there are plenty of empty units around, they're not being offered for rental by, you know, yet by these companies that are buying them up. And you see signs on street corners now. We'll pay cash for your house. We'll pay premium for your house. We'll let you stay there for six months if you want rent free. Well, this is not homeowners out there. This is not people like you and me who say, I think I'll go buy a few houses. And, you know, 
the, these are the black rocks of state streets, etc., of the world that have unli- virtually unlimited cash building up in their coffers, and they're just throwing money at the real at the residential real estate market. Uh, some developments, by the way, a, a brand new development is being uh, constructed out here in in East Mesa, as an example. Uh, I forget how many hundreds of homes in this, but it's a huge development uh, geographically. Well, uh, I've heard from somebody on the inside of this that there are entire blocks of houses being bought up before they're even built by these big hedge funds. It's like, so they're never going to even see the light of day. They're just buying them up right up front. Right. They say, well, you build a 500 houses, we want 150 of them right now. Get, we'll pay you this money. Well, what developer's going to turn it down? I said, well, heck yeah. <laughs> You're going to give us millions and millions of dollars? Sure. You know, we'll build houses for you. So but, that's the strategy to eliminate home ownership. The other thing I'm seeing, too, and I, oh, I, I don't want to go to weather wars, but there's something that's going on with the climate, and it's going on in such a way it's affecting the grid. Yes. And uh, like like Hoover Dam, the turbines are almost fully exposed, which means they're going to have to shut down operation if this trend continues. And that means tens of millions of people are not going to be getting uh, the power that they need. And they're already talking about roving blackouts. And right away, my mind went to you and technocracy. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, you know, we we've talked a lot about geoengineering over the over sure. the years. Sure. Um, it's still an issue today. Uh, it's not really a hot, hot issue today, but um, the military, for instance, has been trying to figure out how to manipulate weather for the sake of warfare True. for decades. Probably Air, Air Force owning the weather 2025. Yeah, I published yeah. the documents. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that that concept goes back to even World War One. Um, you know, seeding clouds and stuff. Sure. But they're still they're still working on weather modification because that's another thing of control. Um, We'll never prove that for sure right now because there's just not enough evidence. There's not enough whistleblowers that came out to, to you know, say what's really going on. But, you know, for the drought that we have in Arizona and the West in general right now, um, you have to wonder how much has geoengineering potentially had to do with that. I don't. Honestly, I really don't know the answer to that. But we do know the massive spraying of, of, of stuff in the skies in Arizona persisted for years. And we still see it occasionally. So you wonder, well, did that have any effect on, you know, modifying the weather patterns and, uh, you know, modifying uh, uh, the jet stream? I don't know. But somebody, you know, somebody should probably do a study on it, come up with a little, you know, a little better explanation. But um, <clears throat> the, the, the drought now has the effect of reducing energy. That That's my main point here. It has the effect of reducing energy because if hydroelectric power goes out in Arizona, uh, we're screwed. <laughs> we're just going to be totally out of luck. Uh, it's an important source of, of, of energy for us. So the only thing we got left is one nuclear reactor out, reactor out here who sells a lot of its power, if not most of it, to California. Right. Uh, you're talking about Palo Verde, I'm assuming. Yes. And, uh, yeah, exactly right. I, I look at this... And I think there's nothing they won't do to bring us to our knees so they can gain total control. And that's the evisceration of our society. And you just mentioned it. Uh, we're screwed if the power goes down in the way that it's happening. Uh, the, the, you've got the stories about uh, the diesel shortages. Uh, listen, I, forget the diesel shortage rumor. 
the I, I did a poll with truckers that listened to me, and overwhelmingly they tell me when things when the gas reaches eight dollars a gallon for diesel, they're done. Their firms can't function. Independent contractors can't function. And eight dollars overwhelmingly was the uh, median and the mode on my research. And so we're really close to that now. I think that's nation shut down too because the stuff will stop shipping. Yes. You're exactly right. And independent contractors will be the first to go, of course. That, you know, that is companies who got one to five trucks. They'll be the first to go because they don't have the, they just don't have deep pockets. The larger firms that maybe have, uh, you know, like 100, 200, 300 trucks, whatever, 500 trucks, they might last a little bit longer because they can borrow money. Little guy can't. Exactly right. Pat, we're out of time. Tell us how we can follow your good work. Well, I, yeah, I'd like people to go to technocracy.news, number one. That's, uh, you know, get on the mailing list. Uh, buy my books on technocracy for Pete's sake and understand. I mean, dig into it. Find out what it's yeah. really all about so you can understand. I agree. You will not be able to protect yourself properly if you don't know what's going on or fight back. And we need to fight back. The ba- you know, the battle's not over. We need to fight back on this. I can. totally agree. But you well, can't fight an enemy you don't know. They're going to stop running the chipmunks if we don't sign off. But I want to okay. thank you for coming on, Pat. We're going to have you back on sooner rather than later because I felt we left a lot on the table. But uh, very good information. Thanks so much for the work you do. My pleasure. Thank you, Dave. Take care. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts to help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.